Hey there, friends and foes. This is Back of the Cereal Box Presents the Ice Cream Queens. And on this week's episode, DL Memphis, Cat Malone, and Lauren Knight are joined by Magda, the amazing Scarlet, and special guest Jeremiah Fish Patton to talk about absinthe, the history of absinthe, absinthe's presence and popularity in pop culture, in horror, and gothic culture. And we're going to join that conversation in progress right after these words from our sponsor. Hello, my creepy crawlies. And welcome to another episode of Ice Cream Queens. Yay! So let's not waste any time and bring in my glorious, glamorous, and lovable hostesses, Cat or Magda. Cat, Lauren. Hey. Oh, crap. That's not in any order. That's okay. There's no order. One okay. of these things is not like the other. Oh, no. All of these things are like the other, just not in the right order. It's like we're all here because we are similarly inclined to like the darker and the creepy and the goth so yes how's everybody doing this evening doing good excited school starting (laughs) are we really excited school starting (laughs) yes Uh, (laughs) well you have you have littles if you have littles sometimes you're excited that school is starting i have hello ryan how are you? We are doing very well. Hey, I have a question. I'm sorry, we're going to be tripping over each other. And we have a pretty full cast this evening joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of wanted to reach out. There was an article about a paranormal investig paranormal. That's hard to say. Paranormal investigator that was doing an investigation. And I'm really not sure of the details. I just was kind of, I have questions now. She was doing an investigation and fell through the roof of an old building and fell about 10 or 15 feet. I'm not sure what the outcome is, but um, has anybody ever been on a paranormal investigation where things just went south? Has anybody ever been on a paranormal investigation? I have not. I have. Not an official one. (laughs) I have. Did it go well? Did it was was it a bad one? Everything is fine. I get where to me they kind of start feeling hokey when everybody wants to like turn off all the damn lights. And I'm just kind of like, well, here's my thing with ghosts. You know, they're gonna haunt in the broad of daylight. nighttime daytime lights you know it doesn't matter you don't have to like turn all the lights off where you're stumbling over strangers and you can't see where you're going you can't see your hand in front of your face so i i kind of i kind of get turned off by that i just don't think you get an essence of the place you can't really feel your way through it and see where your feet are walking or anything like that so i mean other than that it was it was all right I, 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 I grew up in a haunted house in Wisconsin. Like there's a picture of me and I, for the life of me, cannot find it. But there is a picture of like itty bitty little toddler me in front of the whole house with my arms out. Like, look at my house. And there's like a ghost dude up on the roof. And it, like, it looks like he turned and he's like, 
oh crap, they're taking a picture. And he was trying to like fade out. Um, but I, I will find that one of these days and, and present it as my evidence. But yeah, I grew up in a haunted house. Oh, that's yeah! Cool. I'd like to see that picture. I yeah, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I would love to Bring see it. that. Magda, you've lived all around the world. I know you have encountered hauntings and fun, creepy things like that. Scotland is full of castles, so and every castle has some sort of ghost story. Whether they've got to, there seems to be something about ladies. There's always like a grey lady or a white lady or some sort of lady. That's you. You cannot have a castle without a ghost. <laughs> so i am the absolute worst as you can probably imagine at paranormal investigations it's like um i am the eternal skeptic and you would think that somebody who is inclined to goth and creepy and all of this would be oh yeah that's that's a real thing and goes but i have a tendency to go into places and if there's no activity i start making it up and creating mass hysteria, hysteria. Uh, like one of the last ones we were at, we were in the lights all out. Actually, there was no electricity in the church. And I was like uh, throwing things. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> by the time we left. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. Um, by the good. time we left. I'm like, I think the ghost wants us to all join hands and sing hymnals. And I had them say, it was hilarious. Oh my, or hymns, I'm sorry, churches. It was hilarious. And I had so many people, we went into another room and I'm like laying on the floor going, I think I can feel the underground water beneath us. And that That's me. This is who I am. If you are not having an experience, any type of paranormal experience, by God, I am going to make it happen for you. <laughs> okay, so on that note, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, you have okay. To say that in the creepy voice. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, before we answer that question, can we go ahead and bring in our two guests? First of all, um, the local area genuine pirate foodie. Um, he is a phenomenal nature photographer. Let's bring in Jeremiah Patton, also known as Mr. Fish. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. Hi, Hello. Fish. Hello. Hey, y'all. It was so nice to see Jeremiah stopped by yesterday, and I was so excited. I actually got to see you. I was so happy. Hug. That was awesome. I like yes. to see my friends. And oh, I, I, I love it when you stop by, and it's just, it, it's so much fun, and it, it takes the cabana boy away for a little while <laughs> i'm just kidding now i love spending time with the cabana boy um and then i also want to bring in our second guest um uh, scarlet the amazing scarlet hey. and Hello. she played a very special role for us during this week this this couple of weeks um to prepare for the show and we'll kind of get into that later so um can we flash that question back up the comments Cabana Boy. Not that one. <laughs> so what's your favorite scary movie one? There we go. Okay. Lauren, favorite or uh, creepy voice. Dick, go. Oh, hang on. What's your favorite scary movie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kat, you start. We'll go across the bottom and around the top. Okay. Let's do uh Probably a John Carpenter, maybe like in the mouth of madness or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It kind of left me a little after I watched it. You're always kind of looking over your shoulder doing one of those numbers. So 
That was one of those movies that I walk away feeling drunk from or high. <laughs> There's a couple of those that do that to you. Uh, the doors. I know it's not creepy, but the doors left me feeling that way too. Okay. Mr. Fish. Mr. Fish. So Mr. Fish. I have a few that I like, but I really like the, um, I forgot the name of the movie. Um, someone keeps texting me. Uh, so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was always a big fun one for me. I enjoy that one. That one's super fun. Much screaming and bloody yes. funness. <laughs> Not so much the remake. I like the originals. Mm -hmm. The originals but has a lot more originality to it. A lot more authenticity. Scarlet? So... I'm like the biggest baby in the whole world <laughs> when it comes to like scary movies and stuff like that. I hate jump scares so much. They, I just, I have too much anxiety for that. But now that I'm thinking about it, my favorite scary movie seems super inappropriate for the last year that we've had. My favorite, one of my favorite scary movies is Quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> that zombie movie that takes place in that, built like the apartment complex and everybody's like infected with like rabies or something like that and they start eating people but yeah quarantine <laughs> lauren how about you uh nightmare on elm street freddy's dead is my favorite um like i was very very sad i know that they had other freddy movies after that with wes craven's new nightmare and uh, Freddy versus Jason and all that, but I really wanted a continuation of that movie. I even like wrote out a plot for it because I just loved the idea of it. I have got Kruger glove tattooed on me. Love it. Oh. So much. <laughs> Anywhere we can see? Uh, it's a leg, but I mean, I haven't shaved in a minute and I'm wearing a corset. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to hike it up that high right now. <laughs> okay, so we're going to say that's a no at the moment. Magda, how about you? Um, I would say near dark. It's just such a fabulous and strange take on vampires that I, I thought was fabulous. It's probably one of my favorites. I love that movie. That is a great movie. Great choice. Mm. Um, I'm a bit of a classic girl and I don't like CGI and I like ghost story type. Mm. So Amityville Horror, the original one is probably my favorite horror movie ever. Mm. Followed very closely by uh, The Shining. But it's kind mm. of between the two. I've met if Roger Jackson, a.k.a. Ghostface, and he signed my Scream 4 DVD, and it was cool. Oh, that is cool. I've also seen Quarantine as well. It, that was good. That's awesome. So um, speaking of The Shining, did you watch the sister movie sequel that came out with, who was in it, Mew, Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Uh, yes. Dr. Sleep. That one is it good? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, um, well, I think the book was probably a lot better than the movie. I, I have a tendency to think that the books are a lot better mm. than movies just because it, my imagination runs wild. But, um, yes, I have seen it. It was enjoyable, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't my favorite either. Um, I suppose I just didn't know what it was I was going into when I saw it. So I thought it was going to be something else in it. I think that's why I was disappointed in it. Is when it turned out to be the story it was, I just sort of sat back and thought, well, all right then. <laughs> just, just curious. It didn't draw me. It just didn't draw me. The the, the storyline and, and the uh, 
the carnival style characters that were uh, collecting and eating the, the shining, they were very interesting. And I really wish that we would have spent a lot more time with that storyline and, you know, all of their histories. Cause they were very, they were very fun and very interesting. So Nifty. now we do have an audience participation question. So I'm going to, we're going to go ahead and pop that up. What is your favorite absinthe cocktail? Tell us the recipe. If you leave it in the comments, we'll flash it up, comment on it, and read it throughout the show. We are always looking for new recipes because that's something that we absolutely love. So without further ado, let's hop on to our topic because we have a fun and interesting topic tonight. And Kat, why don't you kick it off for us? What are we talking about? Okay, well, we are talking about absinthe this evening. The I guess it would be considered like the neo-goth drink of choice of all you old goth kids who used to, you know, go to the clubs, the old absinthe house down in New Orleans, or go dancing at the Shim Sham. I don't know, wherever y'all used to go goth clubbing at. <laughs> couldn't tell you Memphis maybe Fantasia I don't know so anyway so let's discuss this lovely glowing green drink okay so what it is is absinthe is it gets its name from our Tamesia absinthium which is the scientific term aka of wormwood so it's named after that hence absinthe so it was created in the late 1700s by a French doctor who was actually living in Switzerland at the time. And his name was Pierre Ordinaire, which is kind of a unique name there. <laughs> so and it is a liqueur. It is not actually a liquor because it has no sugar in it when it is created. And it is made with a clear alcohol and it's made with herbs, hence the Wormwood was the original ingredient and then anise, fennel, and sometimes made with like other different herbs, but it definitely has a flavor of black licorice. Like you are not getting past that. That's the anise that's in it. <laughs> Somebody saying I'm the green fairy. And it's kind of funny. Like I, I have a hard time placing the green fairy in. I just, you know, that's kind of what everybody brands it as is a green fairy drink that's a psychotropic hallucinogenic type of drink but in all honesty it's the I guess that the June is how you pronounce it that's the chemical compound that's in the drink that's supposed to create that psychotropic type of um, effect however it really doesn't have that type of effect and it doesn't have enough in it to really do anything other than maybe like I guess, relax you maybe if, if anything of sorts, I think the alcohol pretty much takes over and does what the alcohol does. So, but it's made with a very high volume alcohol at that. The, the brand Pernod is the one that was the original that everybody was the go-to kind of drink. <clears throat> and what it was, it was a pub drink back in, in France. It was popular in South France, but it was kind of what created happy hour and people would go to the pubs at five o'clock after work they would all, instead of going to wine, they started going towards, leaning towards absinthe. And absinthe was kind of like the poor man, rich man type of cocktail where everybody would just kind of, you know, pony up to the bar and have their absinthe. Now, one thing about absinthe at the bar is typically the bartender does not make this drink. 
what it's originally supposed to be is where I guess the bartender would hand you the absinthe, hand you the sugar, and then there would be some type of drip fountain of cold water where you would put your drink underneath it and it would create it. It's kind of like making your own coffee, your own brew. So initially absinthe is very bitter. It doesn't have very much flavor. That's why people like to add the sugar cube with it to sweeten it up. And it also gives it that obsolescent type of look where it glows green as the water's being dripped into the drink. Now, what it does, it back in France, people got really, it says vodka <laughs> martini, shake and stir, that does not count. I like to stir mine. You, you can shake it. You're the, you're the creator of your own absinthe is what it's supposed to be. But now what happened in France is Back at about, I would say in 1914, 15, what was happening is people were saying that it was making them go nuts. There was all kinds of smear campaigns going on around the world where absinthe was creating, you know, disillusions in people and just making them nutty. But what people didn't realize is the wine companies were behind these smear campaigns because they were losing out in profits because absinthe was coming in. And that was taking over in the bar. So there was some sort of a um, same thing like here. We had there was a prohibition it, only in France, but it only went to absinthe and not to any other liquor. So absinthe was outlawed in France and it was outlawed in 1915. Also here in America, it was where they couldn't ship it across over here to America in 1912. And then it didn't make it resurface here in America until what, 2007? I want to say maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time. It basically, they were just trying to get rid of it so that, you know, it wouldn't make its debut comeback and wine would be the king as far as sales down in France. Now in America, it was a little different of a story. They just didn't want people drinking at all. So that wasn't (laughs) quite, (laughs) they didn't like us having any, (laughs) they didn't like us having any fun. So it was all alcohol, not just absinthe here in the United States. So so that's kind of why it got a bad reputation other than Vincent Van Gogh slashing off his ear and handing it to his girlfriend. I'm sure that gets blamed on absinthe quite a bit. And then, so we also have another style of absinthe that came out in the 1990s, the late 1990s. And it was in Czechoslovakia. And I don't believe it was called that then. It was either Czech Republic or Slovakia. I think it was both. I'm not really big on history and So it was there where I guess in the goth clubs and Prague and those type of places where you would start seeing this new, I guess, wow way of people serving absinthe where they would take a sugar cube and they would soak it in absinthe. And because it has so much alcohol in it, they would light it on fire and let it, you know, sieve through the glass into the drink that way. And that way the water would pour through knock the fire out. And so it kind of created this own little like goth occult following of the drink. I guess it started in the late 1990s. So that was kind of like the new way of drinking absinthe versus the old way where it's just cold water and a sugar cube. And hence that is what absinthe is. So if you drink it, you won't go nuts. You won't slice off your ear and hand it to your boyfriend or anything of sorts. Darn. um, you know, it's it's fun to have all these disillusions about a drink being just that, you know, that crazy, but it's really not. You mentioned the Czech absinthe, and I don't, um, 
I was trying to point out to the cabana boy that Magda actually has a bottle oh, of it oh, with I her. I um, me. Yeah, I do. Wow. Has it been, I, I take it it hasn't been opened? It has not been opened. Uh, it, I bought this in the Czech Republic 25 years ago. Uh, oh, wow. It's just been, it's such a, it's hard to see just how neon green it is. It's oh, you can see it. Foul. Yeah, it is <laughs> the most foul drink, I think, on the face of the planet. It, it's awful. <laughs> It's like battery acid and mouthwash <laughs> and, and licorice all mixed together with a bit of food coloring. It's pure alcohol. Um, I think the reason why they, they light it on fire is to get some of the, because the char tastes better than the alcohol. So <laughs> oh, it's, it's horrid, absolutely horrid. That one will make you cut off your ear and give to your boyfriend, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I, Along with your I, tongue and your nose. Can can we kind of jump our order and use that as a segue into Scarlet? And so basically, Lauren and I went out this past weekend with uh, the amazing Scar with Scarlet, and we there is an absinthe bar in Memphis, and it's a very very old absinthe bar. It evidently has a very colorful and interesting history, and if this place is not haunted, it should be. Hint, hint. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went and we were sampling. We were, um, we opened and closed the place. It very, it was a very quick open and close, but we did open and close the place. And um, I do believe there is a video of our adventure. And cool. we're going to kind of we're going to skip around because I know that uh, Jeremiah, uh, Mr. Fish, is going to talk to us a little about the culinary aspects of it because he's done something super super special too. But 
I wanted to read because Magda, you were talking about how it's it's like that bottle specifically, that brand is kind of funky tasting. And yeah. Scarlet, you know, it was your first time trying. Let's let's what did you think? So she is right. That was my very first time trying absinthe <laughs> ever. So I got one that was called Lucid. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about the brand or anything, but the type that I had was called Lucid and it was very light. <laughs> um, I tried DL's and Lauren's also, and theirs were incredibly strong, but um, mine I feel like was the least potent out of all of them. Um, and as soon as I took a sip, I told them, I was like, you know what this tastes like? This tastes like those, you know, those Neko wafers, the little candies that are like a thousand years old, <laughs> the little brown ones. That's what it tasted like to me. <laughs> so I really did like it. It was very rich though. And I had a hard time finishing it. And, but that's what DL's for. She finished it for me but <laughs> I did actually yes I did like it it was really good I would drink it again I could probably only have like one though I don't think I could have more than one of those just because they're so rich not because of like the alcohol content even though mm. that is a lot but um yeah there's it's, it's super rich and I don't think I could drink more than one of them but I did enjoy it it was really good and there's something I think that needs to be shared. If you're going for absinthe in uh, Scarlett, you've, you've worked in an environment where you've been, uh, you've been a bartender. So um, I think several of us have, and you can probably give us kind of a, kind of a quick rundown of what the price point is in comparison. Um, but it's one of those things that I think that people need to be prepared for uh, yes. going in. So I've, worked in a service industry for like six or seven years now and it's the only the only types of jobs that I've ever had <laughs> and I have been a bartender a server everything in between so my most recent job I worked at a really high-end steakhouse and one of their big sellers was their wine they had all price points of wine and they're typically a glass of wine could run roughly about eight to twelve dollars and the twelve was like on the very high end generally thing the glasses of wine were like eight or nine dollars um things like martinis and specialty drinks ran closer to 12 to 15 and that's generally around the price point that most of the drinks were other than like of course the single liquor and single mixer drinks that you know vary it depends on what you get at that point but um as far as like mixed drinks and wine the cheapest probably ran 7 or $8. The more expensive ones, probably about $15, somewhere in that price range. So my absinthe drink that I got at um, the absinthe room in downtown Memphis was $18 <laughs> for my one glass of absinthe. And mine wasn't the most expensive one on the menu either. <laughs> I think mine was actually on the lower end. So... <laughs> 
I, I think when you are going to, especially in the absinthe room, um, that's one of the things that I try to visit anytime that we're in a city. Um, there's a couple of things that I look for and it's um, tiki and Polynesian and absinthe. And I know those are two totally different ends of the spectrum, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, I've had absinthe drinks that have ran anywhere between 18 to $36. So, I mean, it just, it, it, yeah. So that would be the absinthe room in New York or the absinthe house in New Orleans, I think has one that's like 36. But you also have to understand, as you saw in the video, there's a whole science experiment and a show that kind of goes alongside it. So, and it, it's a lot of fun. The preparation is definitely part of the cost at bars, I think. Also, if you order an absinthe drink at a bar, please tip your bartender really well. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's a little labor intensive. It really is. So Lauren, mm. I'll wait. So <laughs> you're good. You are very <laughs> well, you and Magda are both very well ingrained <clears throat> into the goth culture. I, I, I think we all are, but I think that between regarding all of us, I think that you, that the two of you are a bit more ingrained into the goth culture. Why do you think that absinthe is the drink of choice for, um, people who are dark-minded? Um, I've got to go with the fact that it's just, it was taboo. It, it, it falls into the category of um, burlesque or just goth culture in general. It's it's super taboo. No one really wanted to talk about it for a while. No one wanted to do anything with it for a while. And so all of the people who are like, we are the weird and unusual kind <laughs> of adopt these things. We adopted burlesque. We adopted um all of the crazy punk and all of that and and absinthe came along and we we're like why was this banned for stupid reasons well it's ours now and <laughs> so we we just kind of fell in love with it there's the aspect of the flame with it which is appealing to many of the goth culture but i really do think the the fact that it was banned it was taboo it was hard to get a hold of i know people who would sneak in bottles from other countries um, and like come into the bars and be like, guys, look what I got. And we would all sneak behind and try the absinthe. A little bitty bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have to fairy. go. The, yeah, the green fairy. Um, I have to go to the fact that it was just super, super taboo. And that's one of the reasons that it was adopted by the goth, goth culture. Magnet. Lauren. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I? I'm going to jump in. What are you drinking? So what is your... Um, my husband, Joey the Roadie, made this one for me. Um, so when, after we went to the Absinthe House, I decided that I was not done and I <laughs> wanted to create my own concoction. So I went to the liquor store around the corner, um, and I, I spoke with the, the guys when I was like, okay, guys, I'm on a show called Ice Cream Queens. I want to make an Absinthe ice cream drink. And so we went through this whole ordeal of picking out liquors and everything to go with it. I made a, a video about it. Um, and this is what was left over from that video. I, there's not ice cream in this one, um, <laughs> but there is quite a bit of uh, uh, white chocolate Godiva, some Ooh. vanilla vodka, absinthe. I think he put heavy whipping cream in here. I'm guessing. I didn't, he, I didn't watch him make this one. He surprised me. Um, but it's, it's, if you could take the idea of a York peppermint patty and make it slightly a little bit more licorice -y, that's kind of what this tastes like. Mm, sounds Ooh. delicious. 
sounds good. It, that sounds fantastic. I'm heading to your house right now. Is there yes, any left? I'm on mm-hmm. I'll be there in 45 minutes. There's quite a bit left. <laughs> we do have the video, by the way. Can yes. we watch it? it? Yes. I have a show yeah. coming up. You can check us out on YouTube. Just look up Back of the Cereal Box Ice Cream Queens. My next show is the topic of absinthe. So I've decided to get a little themey, or maybe schemey. Themey, schemey. I'm gonna make an absinthe drink. Oh, but not a regular absinthe drink. I'm gonna make an ice cream absinthe drink. You heard that right. Let's get to it. It's ready our cup here. Don't forget the sugar. Oop, I'm going with this brand. Let there be light. Much more fun in the dark. Vanilla vodka in there. Next, two of these. Dash of heavy whipping cream. Don't forget the absinthe. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that looked orgasmic. <laughs> can we say it? Can, yeah. Yes. Oh, that looked glorious. And I am not an, I, I, I avoid milk. So you had a couple of things in there that I'm just like, oh no, that's not for me. I would so, so drink that. That looks more like dessert. That looks delicious. We agree. We agree, Annie. Thank you. So, Magda, why do you think that absinthe has become the official drink of the goth culture? Well, absinthe was the tipple of the artist, the intellectual, the bohemian, the outcast, and the decadent. And as Lauren said, it's invaded goth culture but i think part of that had to do with the fact that so many of the uh, romantic and gothic artists and authors indulged in it we had writers such as uh, oscar wilde or uh, charles baudelaire uh, Alain Nin, uh, ernest hemingway all indulged in quite a bit of absinthe um, the french poet charles baudelaire was an ardent absinthe drinker he didn't write profusely about it, but he did reference it in a aptly named poem, Get Drunk. Uh, Oscar Wilde was a supporter of the consumption of absinthe um, to fuel the creative process. Um, English novelist uh, Marie Corelli, she's contemporary of Wilde and lovingly quipped, there you have the most marvelous cordial in all the world. Drink and you'll find your sorrows transmuted and yourself transformed. Um, wow. Alistair Crowley, the uh, English occultist, spoke of absinthe aficionados as being part of a cult of victims, um, saying they were proud of the servitude towards their sacred drug. Anais Nin, who was known for her erotic, romantic and insightful prose, uh, wrote a letter to her friend, Clementine Van Riedix. She said, you loved a man who treated you like absinthe, half poison, half god. He tried to sweeten you and to water you down. Ernest Hemingway was known to import absinthe from Spain and Cuba um, after it was banned and uh, even featured the drink in several of his stories, uh, The Hills Like White Elephants and um, For Whom the Bell Tolls, both included it. And he even created his own uh, drink, his own cocktail, which he called Death in the Afternoon which was a combination of absinthe and champagne. Uh, he called absinthe that opaque, bitter, tongue-numbing, brain-warming, stomach-warming, idea-changing, 
liquid alchemy. I think uh, going back to the goth concept, I really should mention Edgar Allan Poe. Poe is frequently described as being a heavy absent drinker and mm -hmm. a casualty of it. But yes. from the research that I did, I can't find any substance to that. Uh, merely rumors and most after the fact, just <clears throat> like standing rumors, but rumors. Um, it's really, in my opinion, it's just an example of romanticism. One feels that Poe was the sort of person who ought to have been an absent drinker. It just seems to fit the narrative of his, his life and times. Um, but I don't think it was true. I think they attributed it to a lot of people after the fact. Um, I know, Jeremiah, I believe you have some magical liquid alchemy that you were planning on sharing with us. Isn't that right? That Actually, is correct. Can can I jump back real quick? I think Do Magda it. prepared something extremely special oh. for us that we are all dying to share. Um, do you mind if we do that now, Magda? Please do. Please do. Yay. A glass of absinthe is as poetical as anything in the world. What difference is there between a glass of absinthe and a sunset? After the first glass, you see things as you wish they were. After the second, you see things as they are not. Finally, you see things as they really are. And that is the most horrible thing in the world. It's as if the first diviner of absence had been indeed a magician, intent upon a combination of sacred drugs which should cleanse, fortify, perfume the human soul. What is it in absinthe that makes a separate cult? The effects of its abuse are totally distinct from those of other stimulants. Even in ruin and degradation it remains a thing apart. Its victims wear a ghastly aureole of their own, and in that particular hell yet gloat with a sinister perversion of pride that they are not as other men. I was looking for my fan. <laughs> the first oh, I listen to Magda talk all day long. Oh, the first I agree. Oscar Wilde. I wish you were a hypnotist with that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you start putting people to sleep and under like, yes, I'll tell you all my secrets. Let's go. <laughs> uh, the first that two quotes were Oscar Wilde and the second two quotes were both Aleister Crowley. So, wow. Can I officially say that was like the sexiest thing I have ever heard? <laughs> Just hands down. I and, love her voice. Oh yes. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Magda, can you just talk the whole time? <laughs> it's now the Magda show. I know. Just, I know. I'll have I think to start we're going to try to video express. I, I can do a, an announcement of what it is that we're doing this particular week. Oh, yes. Yes. That would be cool. We would love that. Any Anything you want to do where you are reading or speaking or just being there and being beautiful, we are we are all about this. So I do love like the background. It was very pretty, but um, I also like watching the words come out of your mouth. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. Are we getting a bit I, fetishy? I, I'm tuned in. 
<laughs> Everybody is officially, um, I call the drink creme, creme de licorice. Oh, oh, that's oh. creme de licorice. This one, sorry. <laughs> okay, so one ounce abs, um, absentia absinthe. One ounce whipped cream vodka or whipped cream vodka. One ounce of Godiva white chocolate liqueur. Two ounces of white mocha creamer. One ounce of vanilla creamer and two drops of food coloring. Perhaps I should have had Magda read that too. But (laughs) um, (laughs) that's a hard yes. (laughs) I agree. So I want to follow up just with something else she said. I found this very interesting in um, being an interview with a vampire fan. I'm going to throw this out there. So Anne Rice claimed in her writings that absinthe is the only drink aside from blood, which vampires will indulge in. Interesting. (laughs) I love that. So speaking of uh, absinthe and vampires, there's a really, really nifty scene in Dracula, the one with, um, mm-hmm. mm, help me here, Winona uh, Ryder, Ryder and absinthe. Um, yes. And it's, it's, it's super fun just to listen to that one scene and him talk about the absinthe. So if you get bored later, check that out. <laughs> I, think, I think the line is, absinthe is the aphrodisiac of the soul. Mm-hmm. that sounds familiar i don't know I, I watched it about three times on repeat on youtube if that's wrong let me know <laughs> so i'm gonna jump over to mr fish now hello 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 okay so mr fish is a culinary genius i think i'm safe to say that am i safe to say that I yeah. he's comes... genius yes no, he's I, a genius. I, I, do, I do dabble oh no <laughs> no there's no dabbling it's a genius um, yes should we share the chili recipe, chili, chili <laughs> incident, Scarlett? Never, never, ever, ever again. No. But uh, Mr. Fish has <laughs> created a beautiful concoction for us. And I think there's videos to go alongside. But let's uh, bring him into the, the main window. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm better. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about what have you been working on for us? So um, a lot of times you go out and you buy absinthe and kind of like we were discussing earlier, the the limits of a Thujone or however you say it is kind of limited to what you what what's uh, what's allowed by law. Um, so if you want to, they actually buy the kits online. These kits online, you can uh, have actually this is dried Thujone. Um, someone correct me. How do you say that? That's correct. Thujone. Oh. OK, so. It's, I had that. I had that verified. Yeah, good. So <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's it's absolutely detrimental to like my taste buds. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, so but what I did is you, you buy it. It comes in two packages: the thujone, and then it comes with the botanicals afterwards. So you put the thujone in, uh, let it steep for a little bit, um, and I actually made a little video to kind of bring us into that. I don't know if you want to kind of uh, play that first, and then we'll kind of pick it up, brother Jethro. Where are we going to make alcohol? In the bathtub. We're not going to make alcohol in the bathtub. Make the moonshine in the bathtub. Where are we going to make alcohol? That's what Grandpapa made in the bathtub. We're not going to make alcohol in the bathtub. Not after Grandmother's incident. I'm going to be making absinthe. I'm going to make it in two parts. First, the wormwood between four and seven days. The longer you let it sit, the more bitter it's going to be the stronger the supposed effects. Why is this brown? Because it's dried. Absinthe 
The green color is actually from the chlorophyll. So what are we gonna use? I've been growing basil. We're gonna use that. Let's go harvest some. So in my garden, I've got a whole bunch of basil. So I've already tried these flowers. They have actually got a little bit of a basil flavor, but they're also kind of sweet. I'm gonna actually put some of those in there. We're gonna harvest some of this beautiful basil. We're gonna put it in there for that green chlorophyll color. Now that's pretty good. We want to take this and crush it up. That's going to break the vessels in it and release some of this chlorophyll a little easier. Wait, is this a children's show? So we're going to put this in here. Put them in. I chose 75% alcohol. 80 proof vodka isn't enough. This is going to be perfect for what we need. Isn't she beautiful? Next time I see you, we're gonna filter this out, put it in a new container, and add the rest of the botanicals, and we will make absinthe within a week. Looks like it came out of a bathtub. No. So there you have it. Wow. <laughs> Gross. Right? Okay. Okay, quick question. Is that legal? Yes, it is. I believe you can't can't make anything more. Well, we're not, I'm not actually distilling anything, so it's completely legal. We're just uh, infusing botanicals into an already purchased liquor, so I've already paid for the taxes for it, so I can do what I want with it. Now, now, also, if you don't grow a garden, if you do not, if you have a brown thumb like some of us, no, I'm not pointing fingers. Yeah, she is. I am, but I'm not. Fingers. Yes. If you have a brown thumb, are there places that you can get like kits to make absinthe? Yes, actually. Um, you can go to eBay um, and there's a lot of people that gather the botanicals from bulk. They section it out into small bags and then you can purchase it. And it's only like four or five dollars. The biggest expense is pretty much uh, the alcohol itself. Um, and then you've actually got to wait for it because it takes about a week to two weeks to actually make it. Oh. So, so you saw it was in here and this is empty. Uh, before I started on here, I actually, uh, I filtered it out. Um, and there's a, there's a, okay. So <laughs> I, I am the biggest coffee snob and this is what's called a pour over. So this is great because it's reusable. You can put uh, your cone filters in here. I filtered it once through this, uh, get all the large aggregate out of it. And then the second part I added, I filtered it twice through here. And this is what we've got. So it's a green liquid right here. This is from the greens from the basil uh, that I put in there. It's a sweet basil. And then it's a little bit brownish because of the Fujone. You know, I could actually run it through a dist distillery make it completely clear. Uh, you wouldn't get any of the flavors out of it except for the Fujone because that's kind of emulsified with the uh, alcohol, right? So um, that's what that is. So this is great. Um, and it, so many, so many uses, right? And yes. while we're talking, I'm like, what? Oh, wait, where did oh, he go? No. Where did he go? Come, Come back, back. Oh, oh, no. No. Oh, so I was glad to see this. I love how like. <laughs> All right. So in the meantime, let's talk about Thujone oh, no. a little bit because it is the compound that is in absinthe that makes it the hallucinogenic or the perceived hallucinogenic. And oh, I think he's back. I think he's back. We'll get back, back to this in a minute. All right. He's back. I don't, 
I don't, I don't know what happened. We lost uh-uh. one. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna light this on fire, which is probably against the uh, the room rules that I've got. Um, no, 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 no fires, right? Shh. Just don't we don't see a it. fire. Right? I am hoping that your landlord is not watching. I hope so too. So anyway, um, <laughs> I've got this thing, um, and it's it's, a, big it, old it's fire. a lot of alcohol. We'll do that, I guess. So <laughs> so with. With this pour over, you know, you, you, you pour it with this little elephant snout and it's uh, able to give you a very, very small amount of stream, very similar to what you would do in, uh, in the absence drink, but without having to pay the two, three, four hundred dollars for one of those fountains. But as you oh, can I... see, see, watch it, watch it just change color. It's starting to go. So this, this alcohol that I'm using is, is, is fascinating. Um, it turns white there. Yeah, turn white. So, so this was a clear alcohol. Um, this one is Copper and Kings. A lot of times when you buy the stuff, it comes from overseas. This is actually made in Louisville, Kentucky. It's locally made, right? I live in Kentucky, so or Lexington, Kentucky. So, it's uh, it's locally made. Um, it's actually pretty decent. It's very mild. It's not a very strong absinthe flavor, um, which, which I kind of like. Um, if, if you're not really big on the, the licorice flavors, uh, but you still want to drink absinthe, this is a really good drink to do. Our mm. outing, the, uh, you said that was Copper Kings? Yes. Is the name? That was the brand that I was actually drinking, and it oh, was cool. extremely um, citrusy. Mm-hmm. So if you were kind of leaning away from the, uh, if you are trying it for the first time, and you are leaning away from the licorice flavor, it, and you're trying to avoid that, the uh, that's actually a good choice um, because it was very light and not heavy on the licorice flavoring. That's wonderful. So second part, you know, so we've already done the Fujone in here and the second part is this botanical. So I'm actually going to do this. Just going to go ahead and pour it in here. You know, it's got everything. I think this kit cost me um, four or five dollars. That's the Fujone? The Thujan is is this. It's all weeds and thickets. It's it's okay. gross. Um, I, I did try a little bit of it. Um, I, I about killed myself. It was it was bad. I almost cut my hair off. So <laughs> so this. Hey, oh yeah. Quick question. I want to tell you. Um, so I found out in my research on Thujan. Thujan is found in several different plants, not just. Uh, wormwood it's found in nukta i'm sure i am mispronouncing that nukta cypress some junipers mugwort which you know that's a that's that's one that we all love oregano common sage tansy various species of mint and wormwood most notably grand wormwood which uh cat mentioned was the artemisium absinthium um so yeah, you can actually get that in several different plants. And it's also a component of several essential oils and found in several different perfumeries. Okay. I was so actually going to your bring spaghetti. Up. It's in your spaghetti. <laughs> it's in your spaghetti. <laughs> I was actually going to bring up because, you know, she, um, we were discussing earlier the absolutely horrible taste that some absinthe has. Um, I was actually going to bring up mugwort because mugwort has an absolutely horrendous flavor. Uh, it's very bitter. It's disgusting. But um, it does have quite some psychoactive 
elements to it. And I guess if you wanted the, you know, the, the fabled psychoactive element to your absinthe, you could probably add mugwort to it and then, you know, experience that <laughs> if you wanted you to. Try mugwort. I have some. <laughs> Are you gr- you witch? Are you growing mugwort? <laughs> I'm growing it. I purchased it on Etsy. <laughs> from now inv- she's growing it. Vendor. She got the seeds, and now she's growing. It. <laughs> but it's it's horrible. I absolutely do not recommend drinking mugwort tea or anything. Some people say that mugwort tea before bed makes you um, lucid dream. Um, I'll I'll throw mine out. I've never hallucinated, <laughs> but um, apparently maybe it's that's what's to in make you lucid ambient. dream when you drink it before bed. Some people, you know, people that believe in things like astral projection think that it helps with that type of thing. But um, I was actually thinking about mugwort in absinthe would probably give you the effect that people say that it originally gave. The fabled green fairy. Yes, exactly. The green <laughs> if you want to experience the green fairy in all of her fullness, add mugwort to your <laughs> Okay, so knowing that mugwort is a, uh, a thujon uh, compound plant, um, thujon actually <clears throat> has uh, properties very similar to THC. We'll leave it at that. But uh, so there's a whole lot of, so a lot of the um, psychotropic aspects of absinthe probably come from more so the mugwort and the wormwood and the THC compound blends that you're getting from it. Okay, go ahead. Jeremiah, let's keep, let's keep blending. There's more. We we blended. um, So we're going to let this sit for about a week, right? Um, this is what's going to give it that licorice flavor. It's going to kind of try to cover up that bitterness and that nastiness. Uh, there's foul. Ugh. So um, this is going to happen. Um, and actually what I'm going to do is uh, after we get off of here, I'm going to start this. Um, and I've got this one too. I'm actually going to DL. I'm going to give this to you. So next time you are um, talking about this on Ice Cream Queens, you can actually try it live online and then I'll have mine. We can do tasty ah! notes. You can you can add your own. We'll whatever, add mugwort to ours. <laughs> add mugwort, add, add something green. It's going to be brown because, well, it's, it's not green. You get the chlorophyll from the, from the green. Or you can use green food coloring, whatever you want. You know and what? Buy one of these. Be as, I want one of those. We want it to be as natural as possible. So if it's brown, if it's a dark green, if it's some other color, we're fine with it. Just as long as it's as natural as possible. Mugwort and all. Mm. Lovely. We're getting warts. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have warts. Not yet. I was about to say some of those, some of the colors of the absence are red too. They're not necessarily all green either. They all Where? turn out and they just Where they have different red? brands. There's a couple that have that will come out red as well. It's just and they'll kind of change that, you know, where they turn um, that white clear liquid once you pour it in. But they'll they've got some brands that look more red in the bottle. It's, Okay, so Jeremiah has said that the chloroform is what gives it that glowing green. Not chloroform, chlorophyll. Chloroform is for (laughs) us. Does this smell like chloroform? 
that gives it that green fairy effect when you wake up after you have a really good sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I have been watching way too many killer serial killer shows. <laughs> oh my god. The chlorophyll is what makes it green chloroform. Chloroform makes it turn shady brown. We, we promise she's not a serial killer. <laughs> so, and I'll tell you that um, uh, oregano also is green and has chlorophyll, but it also has thujone in it as well. So you could actually double up on the flavors and double up. I don't know if you really want to put uh, any of that in there, but um, any, anything that you find is green, um, that's perfect. Whatever you want to do, any, it's going to pick up the flavors. Um, it's going to infuse that. It's going to be beautiful. Make so it yours. You, so what do you think you would put in it to make it turn red? The red food coloring. <laughs> I'm Good thinking answer. like rose petals or something. It's like there's got an herb. Yeah, there's something where they're just concocting it with more hips. herbs. Right. It's, it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. So there's hmm. in, in distilling and stuff like that. There's two ways to make it. It's the kind that this is kind of made. Uh, this is more of a low end kind of uh, bathtub. You know, in the bathtub. In the bathtub. This is the most common way of doing it is where they actually distill it. It's going to come out white. Um, and then the after the math, uh, after it all, after it's infused and flavored, you got everything you want, then they actually color in the background. So a lot of it isn't the traditional um, chlorophyll or chloroform, um, as you say, <laughs> DL. Um, Thanks, sorry. If you're talking about natural, this is probably the most natural you're going to get. I really like the flavor of this. Thanks. Raspberry leaf. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Hibiscus. Oh, hibiscus would be oh. delicious. Good idea. That would be that so would be good. Lovely. I feel I like actually... we need a science experiment where we all need to make our own and what color it turns out. Yes. Challenge I what I put in it. I know. You know what? I mean, we're all about recipes and, and, and making things and we're crafty women. <clears throat> so I think, and, and gentlemen, I think we can do this. Make it happen. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm thinking hibiscus and mugwort. I have mm -hmm. rose hips. That sounds rose yummy. Hips and mugwort. Yes. It almost felt like you were going to crush up Ambien and <laughs> wrinkle in the she green might. fairy. She might. I <laughs> she she fall right out. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> How awesome. Let's do that. So I know that we've had a lot of references to the Green Fairy, and I know we're coming up to the top of the hour, but I do want to just kind of throw out some um, images. So the concept of the Green Fairy, I think, not only came from the, the coloring of the liquor itself, but it was something that was featured very prominently in art, um, in classic art. Um, there are several pieces of art. I love absinthe art, and I have several pieces that I have collected over the years. Um but the, I think the most, okay, so this one is, and I can't remember who the artist is, please forgive me. I have my notes, but my phone went dead. But this one is actually called The Green Fairy. Um, and wow. there is another one that is called uh, The Green Fairy as well. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reference to the fairy and basically this woman fairy creature that it's sitting on the table and, and pulling you in. Um, there's also something that I found very interesting because come to me, something that I found that was interesting that I think Kat touched on is that 
it was very targeted towards the working man um, just when the wine industry kind of got a little out of control in terms of, I think there was um, some issues with manufacturing um, and grapes at one point um, in France. And so absinthe became very popular and it was very, it was a lot less expensive to purchase. But a lot of the art that I've seen is also very depressing. For instance, the Degas print um, called mm. In Cafe, um, I feel is probably one of the most depressing looking, that one it is oh, one wow. of the most depressing mm. looking images that I have seen. Um, and then there is another one that I do believe is, um, is it the Monet print? That one. Um, that, but if you look at Traditional classic pieces of absinthe art, it, it's surrounded by just heart-wrenching, broken, and, and just, it's really sad. Now, there were a series of images that were created as propaganda that was presented not only to the public in pamphlets, but also in schools as well that uh, really tried to keep people away from, and, and they were very dark um yeah these are great wow i don't so know i'm gonna are... say the woman one looked more depressing but you know looking at that picture i'm gonna go with maybe her shoes were too tight or something like, <laughs> it seems sad. like instead of the uh the devil's lettuce you got the devil's juice going on here well when you look down at her feet, it looks like her shoes may actually be on the wrong feet and they could be too tight. And we're saying like her feet are turned. I don't know. There's always a story somewhere. And then there's always the creepy guy beside her. And I don't know what it is about. I mean, let's look at the guy beside her. I mean, he just looks like he's, you know, gonna. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's looks like bad news. They look like they're in an unhappy marriage. Like they don't talk at home. They just go out to the bar, drink their absinthe and pretend that they're not with each other. Okay. And the, the picture, the, the print that was just flashed up, this is actually one that I had. This is nothing but pure sleaze. I mean, th this woman uh -huh. is drinking and he is just like, yeah, you keep on drinking, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get some whether you like it or not. <laughs> he is definitely studying her. <laughs> yikes okay <laughs> so we really know what absent if you look close enough at the images we know what absent was used for one quick little note i was going to make mention of another interesting place that absinthe has been put there was a 1990s horror video game called phantasmagoria and you have two main characters a husband and a wife and if you pay attention in the game the wife in the beginning finds a bottle of absinthe and as the storyline goes along and her husband becomes more and more insane, the level of the absinthe goes down. Oh, so, interesting. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's really interesting. That's okay, so I just have to talk about this. It has nothing to do with the subject, but uh, Fish kept saying oregano. And so every single time he would say oregano, it would pop into my head, Resident Evil 4. The zombies would run around. They'd be like, oregano! <laughs> And like, that's what popped in my head every time he said it. The green fairy strikes again. <laughs> there was more to that spaghetti after all. We never knew. We learned something new tonight. Maybe that's why we all love spaghetti so much. Spicy meat tomorrow. I can't wait for Thanksgiving with the sage. I'm like, yes. Mm. Got you, family. 
I can't wait for our Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> I can't <laughs> either. We're gonna be cooking. We're gonna be cooking. All right. So I am being notified that we are officially over our hour. We are right at the hour. Gosh, these shows go too fast. Way too fast. Oh, who was that? Me. Okay. <laughs> I do have a question. Yes. All right. So when you burn the sage, we now know it has Thujone. So maybe maybe there's something more to it. Maybe people were burning the sage because maybe there was after it they started seeing the green fairies, the blue fairies, uh, because of mm-hmm. that thujum that's in it. They're breathing in that that stuff, or or maybe that poisons the 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 spirits that are that are in your house. Just make sure you open your doors, otherwise you're just going to run around in circles. Well, let's <laughs> let's actually go a step further. You use the st- the sage to get rid of bad spirits right but you use sweet grass to bring in the good so yeah. on both sides you're getting through john so maybe the spirits are just us getting high i'll drink to that <laughs> sorry johnny we went a little off the rails i so, like to burn sage in people's houses i don't like and shut the door and just let fun start. do they know you're in their house that's called starting a fire and that would be arson <laughs> Have you ever wanted to burn down someone's house? Never mind. Don't answer that. that. I'm sorry. Okay, so we are at the top of our hour. What? What? And there's the FBI agent. What? (laughs) FBI agent. (laughs) I promise it's a show. It's all for (laughs) entertainment, sir. We're not actually burning down houses. (laughs) What? Were we talking about something? I, what? what? Water? Uh, sounds I'm like another one. Like coffee. Cheers. <laughs> coffee? Oh, I'm on it. All right. So I want to take a moment and say, first of all, thank you, Mr. Fish, Jeremiah Patton, for joining us and showing us girl. how to make absinthe. And Ooh, that's I... a lot of fire. Hold on. No. <laughs> Lights off. Jeremiah's going to burn his own house down. Ooh. Yes. And we're going to watch. We yeah, <laughs> for entertainment purposes. Uh-huh. How so, fast does the fire department show up? Let's, 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 let's not discuss that. <laughs> so I also have to uh, um, say on here that if I don't have a little brown bag at my de- at my door tomorrow morning, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm making my own. I have goodies. I've I've already started it for you while we're while you're talking. Oh great! Oh, well, now I want to try. And this is a small one. It was too small for me. So this is actually coming with it. So you can make your own absinthe at the house. It's great. So I'm not squawking. Oh, okay. oh boy. Oh, okay. fish. I triple dog dare you to make absinthe cookies. <gasps> Ooh, absinthe cookie. I'm going to make it happen. Yes. I think, I think, I think molasses cookies would be a good avenue for that. And please video it because we do have our own YouTube channel now and you can, we will post anything that you make for us, Jeremiah, on our YouTube channel. I will make them and I will mail them to you. Oh, thank you, God. Yes. Okay. So also thank you, Scarlett, for joining us. I'm not spitting cherries. I promise. Oh, Um, (laughs) she really am. She totally is. 
So thank you, Scarlett, for joining us. Thank you for going with us and having our little adventure. We had a blast. And I think we're going to be seeing the absinthe room hopefully again in the near future. So we're working on that. So we can't say a lot right now. Um, Also want to say thank you to back of the cereal box and John Pica for hosting us. And then of course the cabana boy and toy robot visual arts for everything that they do from our beautiful images to making this all happen the way it does and wrangling all of the squirrels, especially the giant squirrel here. Um, (laughs) If you want to support our show, as you see, we have a digital tip jar that is running across the bottom. It is to the back of the cereal box uh, overall tip jar, but you can specify if you want to support the ice cream Queens, if you want to support um, if you want to leave a tip for Magda and that beautiful <laughs> reading that she did and, and with the hopes that she will be doing those again in the future, you can do that. You can individualize who you want those tips to go to or which show you want those tips to go to. And um, we have a show coming up. Do we have a date? I know we have a date. <laughs> Our next show is a calendar that's loading. The 22nd. The 22nd. Okay, so we will be back on the 22nd and um, our topic, well, we'll let you know in the near future. And then (laughs) also, hey, uh, quick couple of things. Um, Lauren, Scarlett, and myself are going to be at the Covington Con. Um, Kat, you're welcome to join us. Fish, if you want to drive down from Kentucky, you're welcome to join us. Let's but we will be there as official hosts of Ice Cream Queens and Back of the Cereal Box. And you will get to see us in all of our cosplay glory. And yeah, so there's that. And then um, myself and uh, Geek Gumshoe will be at CreepyCon on the 21st and 22nd. So look for that. And that's, I think, in the Knoxville area. So uh, yay, you can actually come find us and stalk us in person. (laughs) So yeah, that's how you find us. Um, And I think with that, I think that's it. Have we covered every, have we covered every cat, Magda? Where do we find Fish or the Amazing Scarlet if they would like for people to find them on the line? Fish, where do we find you? So I have a um, Instagram. Uh, It's arbitrary underscore foul, F-O-W-L. It's a little play on words because I'm a nature photographer. Um, And also just using my name, Jeremiah Patton, on the interwebs. I make all my nature photography public because it's something I like to share with the world. Yeah. And you also do a lot of cooking videos too on YouTube. I do. I do. Uh, look up Fishhead1227 on YouTube, and that's my YouTube channel. Um, and I have all my videos. Uh, recently, past couple of years, I've been really big into smoking and barbecue and brisket and ribs and pork shoulder, all that good stuff. So, uh, any instructional videos. I'm also a, a mechanic as well. So, I've got a few uh, automotive uh, trips and ticks on there too. And, um, the cabana boy upstairs has a uh, dad budget preppers video uh, YouTube channel that you appear on, on a regular basis. And yes. so there's a whole lot of cooking there as well. I love that channel. Oh my God. <laughs> I think we all do. I, I think there's a bromance going there. That's unlike anything we've ever seen. We're loving that. 
Dad Budget Adventures mm-hmm. is the name of the channel. Okay, look it up. It's a lot of fun. Um, and Scarlett has appeared on there too. But Scarlett, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on TikTok. My username on TikTok is at Scarlett E Staff 15. And I post gardening videos mostly on there. Um, and then you can also find me on YouTube at the Amazing Scarlet. Um, I post cooking videos and plant related videos on there as well and prepping related videos that generally have to do with like food preps and things of that nature um but i also regularly appear on the dad budget adventure channel as well awesome awesome so anything else that we need to cover before we say pleasant screams bye 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 All right, friends and foes, that wraps it up for another great week. If you like this episode, make sure you share it with two or 300 of your closest friends and family. And don't forget, if you want to see what we were talking about, you can watch us by subscribing on YouTube or liking the Facebook page. And you can join the discussion even after we've gone off the air by joining our Facebook community at the Back of the Cereal Box Virtual Rec Room. Drop us an email. Let us know what you think. Or send us a voice recording right here on the podcast, and we will address your comments on air, and that would be awesome. So thanks for tuning in, guys and gals. Until the next time, we'll catch you on the flip side.